Small Business Focus on The Money Show. Right, so you did what many people wish they could do. Yeah. Go to Mauritius or not. No, it wasn't <laughs> that. You fired somebody. You yeah. mean yeah. vicious and brutal sod. Yeah, it wasn't a person. It was a supplier. Oh, so that's how you rationalize it. Suppliers aren't people. No, no suppliers, well, it's up to the suppliers to see whether they are people or not. Okay, let's see you justify this. Okay, so the way it goes like this. So five years ago, the business that I'm involved in looked very, very different. And five years ago, I made contact with a potential supplier for some tech services. They supplied me the tech services and things worked well. Five years ago, we had a certain number of people. We had a certain type and number of customers. We had a certain type of office setup. And five years have gone by and things have grown. And in that process, it's now a completely different environment. And my needs are different. My business model, in fact, and we did a whole show on the business model, is different today. Because if you want to grow, you need to innovate. And as you innovate, so too do changes take place. And suppliers then really need to figure out, do they become a supplier of a product or a service? In other words, are you simply just another commodity in my life? Or do you become a strategic supplier? And Bruce, I'm convinced that if you want to build a business that's going to have a value down the line, you need to hold on to your customers. And that led me to a question in my own mind. How do you become a strategic supplier and what does that mean? But was this particular supplier behaving in the same way as they did five years ago when you were three people, three computers with a network and a printer that everybody shared and there was a cable connecting you? Absolutely. And, and now, nothing's th- changed. now there are 20 people. Um, it's a little bit more complicated. You're actually you're operating the cloud. You're operating, you've got massive servers. You've got customers who are demanding. They want their information from you at a moment's notice. And if you can't supply it, well then your customers go somewhere else. So you need to face the brutal hard reality that if your supplier isn't sorting you out, then you need to sort them out. Completely. And if you really think about it, at the end of the day, the difference between a a normal supplier, a generic supplier, and anybody could be my supplier supplier is someone who looks at their product or their service as the solution to your problems if you're their customer. They think that the answer lies specifically in the product. Whereas a strategic supplier has a completely different approach. They might be supplying you tea and refreshments. It could be stationary. But if their approach is strategic, and that's... But it's about understanding your customer and not just responding to your customer when they phone you to say, the biscuits have run out again, the computer's not working, the printer's broken, whatever the case might be. If you're simply responsive, then you're responding like any any individual can do or any company can do, and you're just delivering a product. Okay, so a lot of people do believe that they understand their customers, and they say when it comes to stationery, it's all about price. And in many ways, they're right. So there are a couple of hygienic factors that every supplier has to be able to offer. And... In a competitive environment, if you think that you are the best on price, if you think that reliability is your thing, if you think that you've got great competency or you, you're very stable, in many instances, your competitors offer those same features, those same attributes. So how do you then take that and graduate it to the next level? What is the next level of securing that customer that you're going to involve yourself in. When you were going through the termination discussion with this particular supplier, did you counsel them at all? Or were you just so fed up you just thought, 
why must I do the legwork with you, the supplier, when actually the relationship should be the other way around? I shouldn't be directing you. You should be sucking up to me and finding out what my needs are rather than me constantly telling you every time we have to see your face. Well, you see, unfortunately, that's not in my nature. So in my nature, the way that I operate, my value set, the way that I work, the things that I believe in. Let's take you down at the knees. Well, literally. <laughs> <No>. You Greeks. <laughs> no. No, You're so no. stereotypical. Only when you live there do you do it. Okay. <laughs> you behave outside of there. So the way that it worked is that for years and years and years and years, I've been turning around and sharing the idea of what my business is going to become. I've shared my vision. I've spoken about the things that aggravate me and that don't. So I've exposed my value set to that particular supply and that individual. And the one thing that I speak about actively in our own business, and in fact it's why our business has grown, is innovation is something that we revere, we embrace. So in those conversations, I have turned around and said, for example, it's impossible, impossible for me to be the master of everything in my own business. For that reason, I don't make everything I need. And there's certain things that I could make that I don't make, and I choose to buy them in. So I've got two kinds of suppliers. Those who supply me with stuff that I could make myself, and those who supply me with stuff that I can't make at all. However, in both of them, I want those two features, those two product lines, those two service lines, to be delivered to me in such a manner that it pulls me into the future of where that industry is going. So the stationary environment has changed dramatically. We're moving into a paperless world. We're moving into a more mobile world. At the same time, there's certain ways that printing facilities can work, that reduce the number of hours that it takes to print, that releases someone to do something more effective. If you're in the printing game and you supply paper and you supply machines and you have not painted that path for me that I can see into the future how this can serve what I want to achieve, well, then I'm not being led. I'm being served, which is great. But when I figure out that there's a better way of doing it, I'm going I'm to get somebody else to do it. I'm going to be very it's, it's angry a, no, but if it, you haven't done it for me. But it's a fabulous insight. Are you stuck in Pablo's uh, quandary? Are you stuck in that situation where Pablo was stuck? Pablo um, didn't bother consulting. He didn't bother talking about it. He just went, you know what? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Um, 011-883-0702-021-446-0567. And if you're a supplier in that environment, you're not quite sure how to get onto the wavelength that Pablo is on, you might want to ask him for some guidance on that. We'll pick up on that story in just a moment on 011-883-0702-021-446-0567. How do you become a more ingenious supplier to your customers? How do you lead your customers rather than be simply responsive to what they demand of you? It's a crucial differentiator in business. It's absolutely brilliant. Somebody asked on the SMS line, can we have the tender to replace the supplier? Um, and that, that becomes a problem, isn't it? Because now you're sitting in your business, Pablo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator, talking about how he got rid of a supplier this week because the supplier wasn't leading him in the world of tech as he needed to be led. The supplier is supposed to be the genius who's all connected um, and they should be guiding you as to what the next best way of doing your business is. Not you saying, hello, can you come and fix the printer, please? Or I need another cable because we've got another person coming in. They should be guiding you and leading you. How do you find a replacement supplier is always the problem. Because once you boot the old guy out and the computer goes, as computers do, you're stuck. Look, here's the thing. In this particular instance, this supplier found me. 
And that was the issue. They came, they knocked on the door for the business, and in knocking on the door for the business, I had an immediate felt need. Because that felt need has been mulling around in me for about a year already. So you're irritated for a year. Mm-hmm. You don't deal with the problem, but somebody comes with an alternative solution, which is then the catalyst for getting rid of the old supplier. Well, they came with the solution in a very smart way. He walked in and he turned around and he said, this is who I am. Here's my CV. I will do an audit on your tech systems at no cost to you at all. I had the felt need. He had been referred across to me by someone who works within our organization. And I said, what was there to lose? There was nothing to lose. And then, Bruce, he produced a masterful piece of work. And the masterful piece of work immediately turned around and categorized the entire networking environment that we operate in. And he specified about what works, what doesn't work, what's rubbish, what's not rubbish. He then spoke about how, if we continue on this path, It will help us not achieve what we want to achieve. And in fact, he then put a path down of what we need to do in order to achieve what we want to achieve and went one step further. He broke it up into stages and phases which were budgeted out. Does he know that you're difficult and demanding and that's not good enough? Because it's fine for today, but a month's time, you're going to be ready to get rid of him when the next oak comes through the door. No, I was loyal to these others for five years and I tolerated that, let's call it, slow services for about a year before I got to that point. People don't like changing supplies. But, but that's the point also. I mean, somebody like you who is in a space where you're, the, your pressures are demanding, you therefore need to be demanding in your suppliers, it took you a year from irritation to, okay, enough now. It did. It did. And it was a year of conversations. It was a year of saying the following. Please don't let me find out there's a better way of doing what I'm doing through the solution you've given me. Did you do it the right way? Should you have been more aggressive? Should you have cut this relationship after three months? Would it have done your business more good to have done that? Well, it would depend what really you're buying. It depends how core it is. So if it's something that's in your cost of sales, if it's something that drives your revenue, if it's something that drives your produ- your production, then absolutely you cannot tolerate something like that for a year. But if it's an ancillary service, something that just keeps things moving and mulling over, and you can tolerate a bit of poor service in the space, very often, and this was the thing, there's no time to get to the smaller elements. It's a small purchase item for us. There was no time to get yeah. to it. Eugene in Cape Town, is Pablo Talking Sense? Good evening. How are you guys doing? We're doing very well. Is Pablo talking sense, Eugene? Yes, definitely. Uh, making some good points. However, um, you know, being a supplier... You're in the printing business, aren't you, Eugene? Yes. Okay. And uh, we, we, you have to be innovative. You have to pull your customers forward. Some of them are a little bit hard up uh, or hard-headed. And you know, they, they focus on relationships that they have with... Uh, current suppliers, and they don't want to take those risks uh, to change suppliers, even though you are offering them something new and innovative and solution-based. Um, we have to we have to think about that as well. No, absolutely, mm-hmm. but I mean, but the point is, you're guiding your customers, you're giving your customers the best of breed advice. They're looking at you and saying, do I really need it? They're making the judgment call and making the call as to whether or not they're prepared to spend that extra money. But you're empowering them to make that choice, Eugene, not sort of just doing business as usual. Of course. Mm. No, no, good one, Eugene. Thanks very much for your call this evening, Pablo. Well, I've got two comments on that. The first comment is, you know, if you listen really carefully to what Eugene said, in many ways, for his own survival, 
He needs to find customers who are going to be demanding, who are going to put the pressure on him to make him stretch and think outside of the box so he can innovate his service even more and more and more. The second thing I would do, if you have that naturally in your business, Eugene, and it's one of your features, it's one of the things that differentiates you, what it does mean is you should start chasing customers that appreciate those kinds of values, that have that kind of value set. Businesses that are small, that are growing, that are growing quickly and would want to embrace that kind of innovation that you're offering. Okay. How many different types of innovation do you offer in 10 different types of companies? So you're a supplier to 10 completely different industries. You do the same kind of thing, printer services or whatever it might be, but into 10 different sectors, companies with different needs. You're, you're drawing this company along, you're drawing this company along, you're drawing this company along, 10 different strategies at the same time. Not n- None of them is a huge, a big ticket item. You are you going to don't you run the risk of losing the plot at some point, or do you offer a bespoke? Uh, do you offer a bespoke service for each ten of the ten customers, or do you sort of try and make a vanilla service, an innovative vanilla service? If that's not a contradiction, no, I, I think it's impossible, Bruce, to offer ten different services to ten different types of companies. If you do that, you're going to land up being nothing to all of them. Because when you try and be everything to everyone, you do become nothing to everyone. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that you need to make a decision. Let's say, so let's say Eugene's a printer. Let's say that he moves into the retail space. What the retail space is they need large print formats. They need massive turnarounds. They do extremely high uh, volumes. They run campaigns on television, which means that they need the point of sale already in place by a certain time. So service speed is important over there. Reliability is important over there. And even though it's in the retail space, I would argue the price is probably a third, but you can't be brilliant at all three of those things. It's impossible to build a focused business and be brilliant at three or four or five different things. Do you need to then focus in as a supplier? You need to focus on sectors. So if you're good at retail, focus on retail, supply retailers. No, you need to focus on a pit, on a particular service ethic. So you can turn around and say, we are the best price in the business. You might take a month to get the thing that you want. We might not be reliable but no one will beat our price. And that then draws a very particular style and and topology of a client. And you will find your niche in that space where price matters above all else. But then you can be beaten very easily on price. And that's a big risk. It's always a race to the bottom if it's a price game. Hector in Midrand, your question, please. Not a question, just want to uh, agree with, with Pablo, but add uh, an, an angle to it, the, uh, what, what I call the emotional factor, where you appointed somebody because you're feeling, oh, let me just empower a, a relative or a brother. And uh, now when time comes for delivery, real progress and professional uh, delivery, you realize that, Ish, but my brother or my close friend uh, is not delivering. Uh, but at the end of the day, you just have to make the decision. I've had to make it. It was just so difficult. Pablo, at least took a year. It took me about four or five years, I'll tell you. No. Sure. What did my brother think? You no, know? Absolutely. So, but I just want to encourage business people that it's important to separate emotion from business. You know? Fantastic, Hector. Sorry, we have to cut it there. Absolutely. Take the emotion out of it. If you've given somebody, done somebody a favor, understand you've done them the favor, they should be working even harder for you to repay that favor. You know, it's a funny thing. When you deal with friends and family, and you put a relationship in place. It's, it's one of the times that I think, Hector, more importantly than anything, any other period, you've got to have a contract of what's called a service level agreement in place where you specify what it is, how you want it, et cetera, and so forth.
You have a way to break up the relationship if they don't deliver on that basis. And if your brother or cousin or relative can't accept something like that, then already it's a sign that maybe this is a major, major mistake. Here we go. Cut those ties. Pablo Fadidis, as always, on a Thursday night, talking small business.